Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. We are back with another episode. Today, your hosts are me, uh, Liz, and Elise, and then our our good friend Lizzie is back with us today. Uh, you know, she filled in during Alex's maternity leave, and um, we thought this episode would be one that she could provide a lot of insight, so glad to have her back with us. Our topic for today is actually just about being separated from our partner uh, through addiction and recovery. Uh, this idea came out of doing the Recovery House episode recently, and we were got us thinking about you know that physical separation and what it's like, but then it's also sort of snowballed into just like the emotional separation that you experience sometimes even when they're living in the house, but they're in active use or you know, maybe in those early days of recovery and they're just like not themselves. So, um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot to touch on here. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess maybe I could kind of share first just because, uh, Steve was never really physically out of the house, but emotionally we were not affected. Yeah. To, uh, three before he got clean um like we just were not talking um he got home early from work the other day and we didn't have the kids and we went on a walk and it just reminded me that that was the only time I could get him to talk to me is if I could get him off of the couch and have him physically walk around which is about a 20 minute walk that is the only time we would talk because he was like up all the other times he was laid out on the couch, asleep, high, mean, like we just weren't talking. And so it just brought back memories of, you know, oh, like this was the only time I could get you to talk. And so, you know, what what was kind of convenient for me, and I know people always say like, how did you know that your husband was doing drugs like for heroin for so many years, like right in your face? My girlfriend, I realized that my girlfriend Um, her husband traveled for his work and he was living in different States for the last couple of years of our relationship. And so her and I, I think kind of made this pseudo relationship. (laughs) So we would always go out to eat together. Um, You know, we, in the place we live, like there's little pods of uh, like neighborhoods. And so Mm -hmm. we hit all the places in one town and then we hit the ones in the next town. I mean, we hit every restaurant, like in our little area and it was so fun it was it was super fun and so we would have you know emotional conversations and then we were physically with one another so even though her husband lived in Hawaii at one point Idaho Wyoming I don't even know what states he was living in um we physically had a connection and like we like verbally had a connection um, that I did not have with Steve. Yeah. Which is something that was lacking at home. And and what's interesting about that is that, you know, 
her husband was physically away. And it's, you know, it's sad that your husband was there at home, but it was like he wasn't. Oh, yeah. So yeah. then you seek some companionship connection, like outside of your relationship. And I mean, right. I'm, I'm glad that you at least had like a friend or someone to like fill that lonely loneliness, but right. So, so when Steve were on that walk, did, like you said, it brought up that memory. Is that something that you brought up to him then? Or is that, yeah, you just think about it? Yeah. I just, I thought about it and I said it out loud and there's nothing we can do to change that at this point. Um, but it was definitely like, a this is the, all, I mean, it literally was the only way I could get him to speak to me. Yeah. That was for years. And a lot of times he wouldn't go on the walk for me or he wouldn't say anything on the walk, but at least he was physically up and awake. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I feel like for me, Jake's use was never as long-term as like Steve, Steve's was in our relationship. And so you know, there would be several months where he was using and I didn't know, but generally in those like first few months, he would like be able to keep it together and like still seem to be like his normal self. And then it would all maybe be like a couple week period where I started feeling like there's some distance here or something doesn't feel right. And that would be at the point where things were beginning to unravel. And then, you know, a few weeks later is when it all was um was using and so I didn't really experience a lot of that like loneliness or lack of connection like during the use because I don't think it was as long um so for me like when I think about the separation I think more physical although as I'm saying that I guess I can think back before the drug use started there were times when I think I've talked before about how his drinking is kind of like problem drinking and it would be like cyclical. And so I do feel like there were times where like I felt this like disconnect or loneliness because we'd go out and have some drinks and then come home and I'd be like ready to go to bed. And he would be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go out to another bar or I'm going to stay up and drink. And I'm like, why can't we just like, go to bed together or watch the show without you like wanting to be somewhere else. And so hmm, that that's funny. I've not thought about that in a long time. So, but. Well, and I think what's interesting that you say about that is even he, he likes to play music. And so he goes in your basement and plays music. And so you guys had to have like a, an agreement that three nights a week, he has to come. Now, I don't know if that's still the thing, but you guys at one point had a conversation of three nights a week, you'll come to bed with me. Yeah. And like, and that's not a, a drug no, and thing at all. I think that's probably something that couples, you know, it's important to communicate and just like come to agreements in your relationship. Like if someone is feeling a little like, Hey, we're not feeling so connected. Um, but Jake could stay up like till like three in the morning every night if, if he could, or like if I didn't care and he doesn't need a lot of sleep. Like he's more creative at night. But then for me, that always makes me feel like, well, I feel like we're just like roommates, like passing around in the house. So it was, it was something we talked about and like had come to an agreement of like, at least making an effort of like half the week 
he would go to bed when I went to bed and like the other half, you know, he could stay up later if you want. I would say consistently though, since he's been back in back home now and like in recovery and like, he's found that a good sleep routine is important to him. Um, that it's just every once in a while, maybe he'll have like a late music making night, but for the most part, <laughs> like we're on the same time frame. Yeah. Now, what about you, Lizzie? Did you feel emotionally separated? Oh yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, um, you know, with alcohol, it's really hard to have an actual conversation that has like a beginning, a middle and an end. Like there's so many beginnings and then you just jump to something else. And like one thing I remember a lot with like our family is like sitting down for family dinner, you know, and like when it was all like at that time, there was only five or six of us. Um, We hadn't added, you know, lots of kids yet to it. And but like he would say like, you know, so and so like ask him a question about school. And then as they were answering, he just jumped to someone else and like. (laughs) like so like the kids like didn't get like we didn't all get like undivided and not even like it has to be undivided attention but like like a full conversation and you don't realize how much that's lacking so it's kind of like uh like the frog situation where you talk about if you put a frog in a boiling pot it'll jump out but if you put a frog in water and then turn it up slowly it'll actually die when it gets really hot. So unfortunately, that's kind of like our communication. Like I didn't realize how bad it was getting um, until like, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, maybe when we first got married, um, the communication was really good. But just as the drinking got worse and worse and worse, like so did our communication. So that's actually something we're still working on. And it's been you know, four years since he first went to a rehab center. And so I think it's going to be a a long work in progress to get that emotional connection and communication back. Yeah. Now, have any of the big kids, so the three big kids that you guys have, Mm -hmm. have any of the three big kids ever spoken either to you or to Drew about that or communicated or acted out in any way? Actually, so like, when we would have our family dinners and it would be like really sporadic. Um, that was one of the first things that, um, like, uh, our daughter was telling us about. Um, and she actually told me we were driving, um, to go visit him, um, in Mississippi when he was doing his, you know, away time at the, um, he was in sober living at the time. Um, and we had like a really nice, like, time and we had a nice time at dinner and that was the first thing she said to me when we were driving home is how much she loved us being like a family and actually talking Mm. and so it was nice because we actually took the time like you know we would go out to eat and he couldn't like stay with us like he had to go back to a sober living like at night but you know we could go to dinners and stuff and I just thought that was like you don't realize how much kids need that interaction and I guess that's you know I, they always say it's important to try to eat dinner when you can, um, because I think that was a good way for us to kind of get that communication. And that's one thing, like through this pandemic, like us being stuck at home, it's been really great because we've gotten that, um, like the connection has just got so much better with everyone and him with the older kids as well. So, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. That's yep. cool. Well, and it probably helps, you know, he's got over a year sobriety mm-hmm. now and yeah. 
been putting in a lot of work. So that's, that's good. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So let's go ahead and jump into like physical separation. I think probably Lizzie, you probably had the brunt of a lot of that. Like yeah. you had kids and he was gone a lot. He even got an apartment you did. by himself. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say like the first part, you know, when he, um, the second time he went to a local rehab center, you know, after a couple of days, um, we decided let's, you know, let's do it. You go for it. And supposedly it was only supposed to be 30 days, but then it turned into a 90 day thing. Um, and that was really, really hard. Um, because at the time, uh, we had a little one who wasn't even, even six months old and one that had just turned three, like living at home. And so that was really, really hard. Um, that time, like I said, he was gone for 90 days. Um, and then, you know, he was home for nine months and then he, uh, then wasn't living with us. I wasn't going to let him live with us. Um, he did end up living with his parents for a little while. Um, which was really hard. And then, you know, they kind of saw what was going on with the drinking in the basement and all that. And they eventually made him leave and he got his own apartment. Um, and that was really hard. Um, I would say because, you know, like we weren't communicating to anyone, like the kids, like what was going on. And so like to the older kids, like I just, like no one was telling them what was going on. It was so frustrating. Were they ask what were they asking you questions then or No. And that's the thing. They weren't because I, I think I they, at this point what did you say? Like it was just being swept under the rug kind yes. of. Oh, let's just ignore yeah. this which is thing. the way which is the way life was until we all got better at communicating like definitely these last couple of years like it's gotten better. So, you know, that was really hard cuz you know at the time you know, one of our little ones, like, was, you know, four, and it's like, well, why does, you know, why does he have this apartment, and, you know, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to be as honest as possible, and saying, you know, well, daddy's sick, and he's working on getting better, and I, you know, I hope he can come back and be with us, because we did at that point, you know, once he had an apartment, we had sold our house, um, and moved into, like, a condo, um, and so that was, that was probably the hardest. And I hate that he sometimes remembers that daddy had an apartment, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he was so little, but he doesn't really understand. And I mean, one day I'm sure he'll probably remember and I'll want to explain the best that I can, you know, but um, that whole physical separation was, it was just, it was so hard on like my emotions because, you know, as a mom, you start looking out like your kids become number one. And then, you know, obviously I have my own emotions from like, this is supposed to be my partner and my spouse in life. And then, you know, I'm having to worry about their emotions. And, um, the, when he was four, he started like biting himself and we started doing some like counseling. Um, and it was just like, you know, like the counselor was like, he has all these feelings and he's just like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know. And he's just like, he just, he doesn't know how to get it to stop. And so he bites himself, you know, it was just, it was so sad. Like that was the hardest part, I think, um, with the separation. And it he was... eventually, like, what did you guys do to get him to stop that? Like that when he started um, counseling or did it? Yeah, we started going, he started going every week. 
Um, and when they're that little, they do like play therapy. Um, and I loved the girl that he went and saw, like he felt really comfortable. Like she always had like a fun game to play. And, but then she always like tried to get him to talk about things. And, you know, that was a lot of times when he would shut down, but she did teach him a lot of like feelings, like, um, like he had this bottle to shake up whenever he was super upset. And then he would shake up all these like sparkles and everything and turn it upside down and just watch it fall. And it helped him relax. Like we actually used it for like almost two years Um, because even now he still has like all these like he uses words like I'm frustrated, I'm angry. Like he uses feeling words, which I think is really great. Um, But he still I feel like he has this. I don't know if you would call it resentment, but I feel like he remembers and he has things and you know, this is the longest that Drew's been at home. Um, so it's, I think, gotten him a little bit more comfortable. Um, and not and realizing that daddy isn't going to leave. Because from the time he probably remembers, Drew was in and out of the house for like two years. Whether he was, at, you know, some of it he was in recovery houses. Um, but some of it, you know, he, we were separated. So right. that, that was really hard. Super hard. Well, so. and during that. For you like the financials and maintaining the house like that all fell on your shoulder so you were talking about you know just the the brunt of the emotions and like managing your kids emotions or helping them through that as well then you had that whole other piece um and I can't remember like so when Drew the different times when he went into whether it was treatment or the apartment, like, were there ever discussions that you guys had about how financials were going to be taken care of, or it was just, you didn't really have a choice and it fell on you? Yeah. So, um, before we, you know, before I told him I was going to come chat with you guys, we were just talking about that before, you know, I met with you guys tonight. And, um, you know, the first, time that he did the 90 days away he was really lucky he had worked at a pharmaceutical company they had just basically like let everyone go but they get three months of a salary so that was awesome but the thing that was super frustrating is he got to live life and not he did not not um he didn't give me any money at all like nothing and his thing like it it actually does like there is some resentment still because you know, I'm like, you don't need to go out to eat for every meal. Like he was eating every meal out, like, and at nice places, you know, like, yeah, um, doing shopping. Like when I went to come see him by myself, um, you know, I would try to bring up financial stuff and he's like, well, let me just tell you, I'm going to, this was like one of the first things he said to me, I had just picked him up and we went to sit and eat. And he's like, I gave, I know you're going to be really mad, but I loaned someone $500 to pay for sober living for like the month or something. And I was like, like, oh my God, like you can't even give your wife and kids money, like, and you're doing this. So, um, you know, that was really hard when he was like, he's never since he got sober helped out financially. Um, you know, like right now he is in grad school Um, and you know, he has to figure out how to get his own gas money, coffee money, um, and stuff, but you know, the rest of it I'm paying for. And I mean that it took a long time for me to agree on that because, you know, I've told him whenever he 
he's in grad school. Whenever he gets a real job, he's going to be giving me like, you know, 80% of his check. And he's going to be giving that to me for a long time. Um, because <laughs> I've basically been supporting, you know, helping support five kids on right. just, you know, my thing. And so um, it, there's been lots of arguments, um, lots of tension. Um, one of the, the hardest parts is like, I look at money as, and financial as like uh, safety and security. Ooh, and me too. Yeah, but he doesn't. He looks, he doesn't, he could care less. Like he doesn't know how to budget. He doesn't, he just, you know, he even told me, he's like, if you get a bonus check, can you please not tell me? Because then I'll want to like try to get something out of you. Like, let's go get blank or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if a lot of addicts are like that. I mean, I've heard some that there are a lot of them that just like to spend, but Jake yeah. in the past has said things um, like, I would rather not know how much money I have in my account or like things like that. Cause he's like, I, if I know that I have it, I'm going to want to spend it. Not that he's saying he would necessarily want to spend it on drugs. Like sure. when he's clean, yeah. but I, you know, he would maybe be like, Oh, I can buy more records or do this. Like is not necessarily great at that long-term thinking ahead of like, yeah. oh, I'm building my savings to achieve like these future goals. And I, I, I do wonder if that's related to that, like addict mindset, the very much like, here's what I have right now. I'm going to spend it all. Like, you know, when they have drugs, I have this amount of drugs. I'm going to do all the drugs. Yeah. Like instant gratification. Cause Steve is the exact same way. Yeah. He's very good about money, but to think future it's, it's difficult for him. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great he's good about with money because that that has definitely been oh hard but he wasn't i mean he stole he stole thousands of dollars but now but now he sees that you know to build a life together like we have to figure out the money like we can't just go be blowing it on stuff and that brings up resentments for me because now he's a part of the money i was doing the money for so many years and and Mm -hmm. keeping the family afloat like and it was just me and him at the time um, and then he started to get in the money and help me do like the budget sheets and X, Y, Z that we do. And I was getting so pissed because he was like, well, why did you spend $5 at Starbucks? And I'm like, why did you blow $900 up your nose last month? Hmm, tell me that. <laughs> so it's like, get out of my yeah. business. I kept us afloat for years. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, you know, in normal relationships, it, it's, I think, common, like, you view it as a partnership. There tends to be maybe like one person is contributing like more financially than the other. Um, And so like, you know, that's fine. I think the issue here is that the money, it just is being like wasted away. And that like, it's not thing that we've like sat down and said, okay, Hey, I'm going to be the breadwinner winner now and manage all the money and you don't have to pay anything it's just sort of like the result of their bad decisions um and so well and i'm i'm pissed for you lizzie like that 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 makes me so mad like you had two kids like you work a full-time job and you have two kids in daycare in our area i know that two kids in daycare is two thousand dollars a month plus your freaking house payment plus whatever you've got going on i think that's poor shit and i think you know you you know I don't want to say we're accustomed to living a different lifestyle, but he was a pharmaceutical rep and I assume that he made very good money. Yep. So you go from 
pharmaceutical rep to two great incomes to one income and he's off at a sober living house that's god knows how much that is mm-hmm. plus your kids in daycare plus all your other bs like the fact that you haven't tapped into your anger yet like girl i'm ready i'm oh, no, here for anger, it my anger has come the last couple of months like that's what oh. I'm actually working toward working through at my with my counselor like i tell drew every day how um i'm just angry at him and he's like i don't understand and i was like because i ignored it for so long and now i'm finally angry and you just have to like deal with it um but i mean yes like there's the money thing is probably the thing that that pisses me off the most um and i mean i feel like there just wasn't for a while there was nothing i could do like you know when he did you know, lose that job and didn't have a job and he got some job paying like nothing, you know, he's been work, you know, he was working at a church for a while. And right now he's, you know, coaching football and um, in grad school. And so he does get paid a little bit of money for coaching football, but that comes like, I think at the end of the year. And so, um, you know, that was something I had to agree on. Um, And I think that was really hard for him to talk to to me about because I've already been you know basically like I used to love shopping and doing all these things and I have to be so careful about everything right now and that's why I've said like listen when you get a real job almost all that money is coming to me (laughs) like you know I'm gonna I'm just gonna and I'm gonna buy shoes if I want to (laughs) and you know like be able to spend some and um you know the best part is like, I am lucky in the fact that my parents were able to buy a place for it, like a condo. So we don't have that expense. That's the only reason why we can make, you know, everything kind of work. Um, It's definitely like a a group effort um, helping. And, you know, hopefully once he um, is done with grad school, it's something he's really passionate about. He'll, you know, be making money doing something he really enjoys. So yeah good over I think on the financial side for me it was a, a little different just because like our finances aren't aren't combined so it helped that it didn't necessarily seem like oh it was my my money but it was still challenging like just being able to see like the amount of money that was coming out of his account and just like just like knowing that basically being thrown out the window was so like aggravating where you're like oh my gosh all of that money could be used towards x y and z and so like Mm -hmm. I didn't really take on a lot of like extra burden financially like around the house and things like we both have all continued to pay like our own separate bills and then he always paid me money towards the mortgage but we did it kind of based on a like proportionate to our like our income that we brought in, like, cause I make more money than him. And so losing that money, like when he moved out, um, sucked, but it wasn't like detrimental. It was just mm-hmm. more of like an annoyance of like, Oh, that was like extra money that I had fun with. And now like, and I wasn't planning to not have it. And now I have to think about things differently. Um, and then just thinking, you know, at the time I was like hopeful that we would get back together. And so watching his savings like dwindle, it has like an indirect effect because it's like, 
we could get back together and then have all that money. And that could be something that we put towards like a future trip or, you know, doing stuff around the house. And like, that's just not an option. So it's, it's not that it has, um, didn't take away anything in the moment, but I feel like I have a hard time not like not being frustrated at what it like has potentially taken away of like thinking what we could have done with that money if it hadn't all been used for drugs. And like, that's where I get more frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. One one thing I just randomly thought of that I remembered that. um, So, you know, something that happened, like when Drew went away to a recovery place, like, you know, he had also like cheated on me when I was pregnant. And so I was like really pissed and I did not want him to be a pharmaceutical rep because all they do when they go to those trips is they just force alcohol like down their throats, you know? And I mean, right. force it nicely, but you know, like they have events like all the time. Like it's just, it's centered around alcohol and any pharmaceutical rep is, you know, most likely they're going to have a lot of charm, a lot. They're good looking. Like that's part of their job. You know, and so one of the things I said when he was there is like, listen, I don't care what you do when you come back, but I will not be your wife if you want to be a pharmaceutical rep. Like, I will take the hit with money. Like, that was just something like I cannot like I'm just not comfortable. And like now I still don't think I would be comfortable. Like, it's just not the right. It's not the right thing for anyone with an addiction to do. Like, yeah, yeah. I do you think, have all this time on your hands. And so, yeah, I do think that kind of is a, a common thing that happens a lot of times if people get in recovery, like they may have lost their job or maybe their job was not a good one for them to go back to. And, you know, if they're trying to fit in IOP or PHP, these mm-hmm. things that take many hours, sometimes for a certain amount of time, they have to take a lower paying job. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you like, know that they're doing that and it's for the betterment of themselves and your family and so it's like good but then it's also like annoying yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I think that kind of uh leads into like some of the emotional things of just that the conflicting feelings of you know when you are living separately like during the good in the good exam of like when they're at a recovery house because they are you know working on their sobriety like that is a very positive thing and on one hand it's like yay I'm so glad that's where they are but then there's also it doesn't mean that there are no like negative feelings um and that was something that I struggled with was just like those feelings of being lonely or so also like jealous that like oh I'm at this house by myself and he's in this recovery house surrounded by all these guys. They watch movies together every night. Like they're going yep. to meetings and getting food after and like, yay. I'm so glad that he's building those relationships and like focusing on recovery. But it's also, I think, creates some resentment that that's the way it has to be. Yeah. Well, And I remember, Liz, when you were in your house and, you know, it wasn't emotional for you to see the pictures because your house is decorated very nice and you have pictures up of, you know, you guys as a couple and you're like, oh, I just don't want to take them down. And so I think you waited till like Christmas 
I or some holiday to like have a reason to take them down so it didn't like it was just easier to do yeah well it was all of last fall was such a weird time of like limbo where it was like we're kind of together but we're not really talking so it was like should I take stuff down or should I not I don't know and then um in November when we officially broke up it was like okay I should start taking this stuff down but that felt super depressing and so you're right I did tie it into like all right, well, it's time to decorate for Christmas. I need to take down all these decorations anyway. And then after Christmas, I just never put that stuff back up. But that was um, something that always, where I always would think about like, oh, I'm at home, like where we created all these memories together. Like, you know, I see his records, I see the pictures or I see like, you know, this pillow that he bought me or our flag. And like all these things that made me think of our relationship. And sometimes I felt like he had it easier because he got to escape. Like he was in an area, like he was in a recovery house with like no reminders of like our life together. I did tell him that one time where I was like, well, I think you had it like bet, like you were better off. And he was like, are you kidding me? I was living in a recovery house with like 20 guys. My room was like the size of a closet and it was gross. He was like, I'm telling you, it was, he was, it was not, not better off, but you know, so both bad situations, but for different things. Yeah. When, when Drew was gone, like, and I knew he was actually like at, you know, in recovery, trying to be in recovery. Um, you know, I definitely felt alone, but I almost was like, okay. Like I almost felt better in a way. Cause like, like when I would talk to him, it would actually be like an actual conversation. And, you know, like I started working on myself a lot more when he was away. The hardest part for me with the, um, like the emotional kind of separation was when he, um, you know, like we had to sell our house and he was kind of in like active addiction. This was like when he was living with his parents, gonna get a, an apartment that whole time. Like I had cried so much in our shower that like the day that I sold our house like there was just shitty emotions everywhere like the night before I ran over to the house to make sure there was nothing over I just like I like was like really in the moment I went into every room and tried to remember like a good memory and this was really hard because it was my grandma's house and we had uh, flipped it and you know like the, by that time like I hated everything about that house so when I sold it I was just like I felt so much better and when we you know I I think he only helped one time. Like I did everything by myself there. And so like, I, we still have stuff in storage. Like I don't want anything from that house. Like somehow a picture frame ended up at our condo. And I was like, Oh, like, I do not, I do not want this. Like, because it's like a bad memory, you know, like I wanted everything new. And so it's kind of like you, you were saying your decorations, your pictures, you know, like, yeah. um, like I don't even like pictures in our house that are old. You know, like I just, I want oh. new ones. And like, I think of everything from like, you know, getting sober on relationship. Like, you know, we've been married eight years and um, I did like a fun little video because, you know, the pandemic, we we're stuck at home. And so <laughs> I was like doing a, a movie and um, I basically only chose pictures from like 
I don't know, the last like couple years because I don't like to see old ones. Like, I mean, I use some from our wedding, but like when things were shitty, like I just don't even like those pictures. You yeah. Know? So no, that makes sense. So, yeah, that was hard for how pictures can be just a trigger of bad memories. Um, something you were saying I could relate to, like where I felt a shift also versus so, you know, I mentioned the time when Jake was in the recovery house before he actually went to treatment and I, things felt a lot worse then um, because unbeknownst to me, he was still in and out of active addiction. And so it was very much like, you know, he would say he was going to call me and then he wouldn't call me like hours would go by and then he would be like, oh, sorry, we like got busy. Um, watching a movie and I'm like, well, how hard is it to just text me and let me know like, hey, running late. And so I think that like it was that period that created a lot more of those resentment and like jealousy, loneliness feelings. And then after he went to treatment and was like living in the recovery house and doing it for real, um, like I still felt lonely being at home at times, but kind of like you said, it was like, oh, I know that this is something positive. He's in a good place for him. And he was also much better about saying like, okay, I'm going to call you be- before we start this movie at nine o'clock. And he would call mm-hmm. me at nine o'clock or he would text me if they were running late from a, a meeting or something. And so there was a big difference just in his behavior and based on those two times and then like how that made me feel about the situation as well it's interesting Mm -hmm. lizzie i'm 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 interested to hear um about your anger any any (laughs) any other tips or 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 things about it um well i'm slowly pulling it out from all the little chains and stuff that i have it all tucked away um no it's actually Maybe, maybe we should save this for a full episode yeah maybe um, well, because it, it's going to need a full episode because I'm just starting to pull it out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, the hardest part is like, I mean, I all I just say to him all the time, is I'm just I'm just pissed. I'm just angry at you. And, you know, here's the thing that's really hard is Drew's had a lot of concussions. And here's the scary part. So last week um, he went to see like he sees a neurologist like every so often and he does these testing to kind of give like a frame of reference well we have switched insurances and they called us to let us know that um if he gets it done where he normally does it it's like twenty five hundred dollars we're not paying twenty five hundred dollars it's like mm. you know fifty dollars with a copay if you have the insurance so i have been reminding him for like maybe that was two weeks ago i've been reminding him for a couple weeks now to call and so yesterday or the day before he said um you know what's really weird i need to call i need to call the neurologist back and get that scheduled with the same doctor that he said that he went to before and i looked at him i'm like oh my god like i was there when he had the conversation he had already called them and already told them that we we have different insurance we need to switch they just haven't got it set up so he like cannot remember that whole conversation until i brought it up he's like oh my gosh we did talk about that so it's really hard because like i feel like i'm gonna go through all these emotions and i'm gonna be like pissed and excuse me he's not even gonna remember that's what's gonna be really hard so like he won't yeah no and i guess it's probably it's maybe frustrating that he doesn't remember but 
I guess it's not really important if he remembers or not. It's more about you just like processing. Yeah. Them and that yourself. Because that's even true. Steve, Steve doesn't remember any of it. Bits oh, and pieces. Yeah. If I bring it up. So I, I, I think while I know his concussion thing is a thing, yeah. I think that probably even if he didn't have that, he wouldn't remember. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also a lot of things that are painful that he chooses that he does not want to remember either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I'm going to remember them. So I'm going yes. to be bringing them up. And, you know, I don't want to be like constantly poking at like things, but, um, you know, it is just frustrating. Like he'll be like, I don't understand why you're mad about this. And I'll just be like, well, do you really want me to explain it? You know, and it's just like, it's just an <laughs> anger explaining, you know, um, yeah. And I think he's starting to learn. I maybe I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. So that's funny. Well, yeah. So maybe, answer. yeah. We'll say okay. We'll stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we kind of covered quite a bit about you know, yeah, emotional and physical separation. Does anybody have anything else they want to add to it? I guess uh, I would just be curious to hear like Lizzie's take on this, and also, and then I'll think about it, but. I think we've talked a lot about the challenges from it and curious, like, you know, what are any positives that came out of it or, um, you know, is it something that you would recommend to like other couples to do? Um, yeah, I would say like, I was thinking about this, like, um, you know, if there's, there's those people and like, we've met people in group that like, you know, their loved one has tried to get sober, they've been in and out. And like, you know, where we met, it wasn't a place where it's like long term, like it's more of a detox kind of place and then set them up for some kind of program. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I really do think that going away sometimes is and I know, I know Drew has said it's kind of like an easy way out sometimes. But sometimes it's actually what people need. You know, like sure. whether whether they're going to choose to stay sober for a long time, that's going to have to be on them. But like sometimes that's just what everybody needs. Like that's what, you know, the wife or the significant other needs. That's what they need. That's what the kids need. Because when they go away, everybody gets time and you take all that shit away and you can slowly, you know, even if you're not doing lots of work with a counselor stuff, you're going to start to realize like how you've been living. And it kind of opens your eyes up to like so much. Um, I think it's a positive thing. Like I learned a lot about myself and, you know, especially the first time having young kids and realizing I can do this shit by myself. Like I do not need someone else. Um, You know, I don't want to do it by myself, but I can. Um, And I think, you know, there were positive things where, you know, he learned a lot about himself. I learned a lot about myself. And, you know, there were multiple times that he wasn't around. So, um, you know, while it was hard, there are good things that you learn. And I would recommend anyone to do like a, you know, 30 to 90 day. Um, you know, I have different ideas on what people should do. But I mean, I think overall, it's a really good thing. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with pretty much everything you said as positive. Like, even though in the moment it feels not great um, I think it does create a lot of time to reflect and then you know you kind of just like are forced to work on yourself or like in my case I spent a lot more time with family and friends which 
Um, you know, I was really sad a lot of times during that, but it was, you know, nice to have those relationships to fall back on. And um, I think it all is like a reminder of like not to take things for granted too. So then when Jake um, did move back in, um, it was sort of like we had a reset and we mm-hmm. be very conscious of the like bad patterns that we didn't want to bring in and, you know, the things that I was doing on my own and that he had started implementing on his own and, um, and just making sure that it was like, okay, the chance to restart and do like, do things differently. And then it was also like, we were really appreciative then of like, oh, it's so nice to be able to be back together and have this time together. Um, so those were some positives that came out of it. I just thought of one other thing too, like, cause I know that you're, your um, significant others did not go to a long-term place but one thing that I thought was really cool is um, and I think a lot of them do it like towards the end of the 30 days they'll do like a family day or family two day Um, and I think one of the coolest things the second time I went um, was you know first of all they're teaching you lots of stuff about addiction but we went around they put us in a circle it was just four groups so like um, you know, in our group, we had some parents with a, with a younger, you know, adult, um, there were some older people, but we all went around and everyone checked in. Mm. And so it was really cool because like one of the people there, like was a college kid who tried to commit suicide and, you know, they were high and that's why their parents like took them there. But it was, it was so cool to see her, her check in and then her parents both checked in and, you know, like they were crying and like saying how it was made them feel. Um, and they just, they do so much. Like, I think that is where there is so much value in sending someone away because they usually give you the option. Like, I mean, now I had to drive eight hours and spend two nights in a hotel, but, and I only got to spend like five hours each day there with him. Um, but it was so important and it like, it actually helped like bond us together better. Um, and I think all, so many of those recovery houses or recovery um, places do that. It's just, there's so much value to it. So, you know, if that is an option, if you can make it happen, it's, it's so worth it. I'm so glad I went because I went both times. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, awesome. Well, Lizzie, it is always amazing to have you on. We love having you on. Thanks, ladies. (laughs) Well, perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, again, for listening. If you have any questions, comments, please put it in our inbox. Uh, Always, we love reviews from anyone. And keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com. <laughs>